0: Heavenly Father, life is a journey. Even as Psalm 23 calls it, the valley of the shadow of death. It is a walk in the wilderness. But each and every step we take in this wilderness, we know that you've gone ahead of us, and yet you walk beside us. And we give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. It just dawned on me, five years ago, Nancy and I showed up right about this time. And uh, we were here for the very last Lenten service, and I believe Dennis shared the message that day. And it had something to do with Tetelestai. It is finished. I don't remember what the theme. I'm surprised I remembered that. But it was five years ago. Time passes as you go through the journey of life. In the journey of life is sometimes a lot of fun and games, happy times. And there are times that are less than happy. They're dreary. They're wilderness times. They are times when we really begin to understand what David talked about when he used that phrase as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, this is our last message in this series. We celebrate tonight that the wilderness is actually a time of new beginnings. And another way to think about that is that whatever wilderness you may find yourself in from time to time, it is only temporary. Not long ago, somebody asked me what my favorite Bible passage was. And most of you know that I would immediately say Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. But for some reason, I didn't give that answer. I said, well, I'm not going to tell you what my favorite Bible passage is, but I'm going to tell you what one of my favorite phrases in the Bible is. In fact, this phrase is used 450 times in the King James Version of the Bible. Anybody have any idea what that phrase might be? 450 times in the King James Bible. It came to pass. It came to pass. I like that verse. It came to pass. And and you know, this can be very good news if you're contemplating wilderness time. Wilderness times come, but they don't stay. They're not permanent. Wilderness times always come to an end, and they always lead to a brand new beginning. When I was in high school, I remember having to read Dante's Inferno. Anybody ever read that book? Dante's Inferno. Well, according to Dante, uh, written over the gates of hell are these words, quote, all hope abandoned Ye who enter here. End of quote. Now, sometimes I think we think those words are written over our own personal little wildernesses. There's no more hope, and we even abandon hope. But the good news of the Christian faith is that the wilderness is never the final destination, and hope is alive even in the midst of the most desolate territory. Wilderness times generally mark the end of one phase and the beginning of a brand new phase in our life. you ever think about your life as being a series of phases? You go through this and it comes to pass and you have another phase. I think I've mentioned this before that uh, when Nancy and I found the house that we really loved and North Richland Hills, she was the one who remarked, this is the house of new beginnings. End of one phase, beginning of a new phase. Now, I don't want you to think we're coming out of the wilderness and into the new phase. Not that at all. I'm just talking about the phases of life. You know, Jesus' difficult and lonely times of testing in the Judean desert, when he's surrounded by these wild animals... Even though the angels were there ministering to him, we talked about that last week, it gave way to a brand new beginning. And the brand new beginning was the beginning of his public ministry. That time in the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by Satan prepared him and strengthened him for things that perhaps could not have taken place any other way. And when you think about it, new beginnings really stand at the heart of the gospel message. I mean, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter whether the wilderness is of our own making, or whether it happens to us because of other people, God is present in the wilderness with us. I mean, his word says any number of times, Never will I leave you nor forsake you. For lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And if he's with us all the time, like that quote many of you have heard before, if God leads you to it, God will lead you through it. He leads us in it, through it, and out of it. And when we find ourselves in the wilderness of sin or guilt or separation from God and others, there is still a way out of the wilderness and there's a new beginning. And the new beginning always starts with the word Jesus. God prepares a way, and the way is Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I'm getting ready to teach a week in Angola in the middle of April, and I'm beginning to go through some of the notes for the class, which is a, at least three days. Spending going entirely through the Bible again, from Genesis through Revelation. And this afternoon I was doing some stuff that had to do with the Apostle Paul. And I thought to myself, if there was ever an expert in new beginnings, it probably had to be St. Paul. I mean, he knew very well that his spiritual journey was a wilderness because it seems like he spent a great deal of time in it. I mean, shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and lowered out of cities and baskets and chased out of town and cursed. and Man, one wilderness journey after another. And, And on top of that, that thorn in his flesh, which he couldn't seem to shake. But Paul also knew the power of being made new. He knew what it was like to be set free from the wilderness of a broken relationship, not only with God, but with other people as well. That's why in in the text I read to you tonight, he says, So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everything old, he's talking about like those wilderness things has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, last week I said, if God comforts you, be thankful that he's comforted you. But then don't forget to comfort other people in the same way that he comforted you. Now, I'd say the same thing tonight. Understand that God, through Jesus, reconciled you back to him. He made things right. And so he gives us the ministry of of reconciliation. He explained it. He said, In Christ, God was reconciling, you know, bringing back to bear the world to Himself, not counting their sins against them, and entrusting that same message of reconciliation to us. Now, just stop and think for a moment. Is there anybody right now that you're having a problem with? You're holding a little bit of a grudge? You're a little bit out of sorts with them because of some perceived sin they committed against you, or whatever? Is there a possibility, is there room for reconciliation? That maybe you take the first step to bring people around, to bring them back in. See, I find the good news of Jesus is that no matter who you are, or what you've done, there's always a chance for a brand new beginning. In him we are all new creations. I mean, it says everything old has passed away. Everything has become new. Now, let me take you back to two Sundays ago. I wasn't here, but Mark shared a message about the prodigal son. I have a pretty good idea what he preached about that day. Uh, But Jesus tells this story about a man that's got two boys. And one day, the younger of these two boys went to his father and, in so many words, told his dad to drop dead. Told him, I wish you were dead. I mean, he asked for his inheritance, and as far as I know, you don't get an inheritance until somebody dies. But he wanted his inheritance, which was not at all appropriate, since his father still was very much alive. Well, we know that he probably had to liquidate some assets pretty quick, turn it into cash, The younger boy took his share. He ran away. And this is what often happens when you decide to get involved in sin. You get as far away from daddy as possible. You get away from your heavenly father. And he squandered it all. All that money that his dad had worked so very hard for and was saving up so that someday he could hand it off to his son was now thrown away. Just satisfying this young boy's every whim and desire and buying some new friends. I mean, the story in itself is absolutely awful. And as you know, it did not take him long to blow through the money. And suddenly he finds himself homeless and helpless and hungry. And it's at that time he ends up doing something that would have been totally unthinkable. He's feeding pigs and was so hungry he would have liked to even had some of the pig slop. Do you think Does that sound like a description of somebody in the wilderness? I mean, this guy was about as deep in the wilderness as you can get. But then one of my other favorite sentences in the Bible, it says, and when he came to his senses, I mean, he came to his senses, he, he suddenly remembered, you know, man, how many of my father's hired men are eating better than me and I'm out here wishing I could eat hog slop? And so what happens is he decides to go home. He's going to go home and he's going to beg his father for forgiveness. But as he's approaching uh, that place that had been his home, his father sees him. He's so overjoyed that he does something that old men don't do. He runs and he throws his arms around his son and kisses him. Now, that parable, you know, when I went to a Lutheran grade school, I always learned that parables were earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And Jesus tells us this little earthly story. But the heavenly meaning that he was teaching us is that God is exactly like that prodigal son's father. He's saying that if you and I find ourselves in a wilderness feeling separated from God, and maybe you even ran into that wilderness on your own like this young guy did, it might be difficult to believe, but God will actually run to meet you. He will actually... Throw his arms open and welcome you home, ready to give you a brand new beginning. Maybe some of you know exactly what that's all about. Maybe some of you had a time in your life already where you literally ran into the wilderness on your own. You were just going to get away from God and church and family, and then something happened. You came to your senses. Change your mind, change your direction, came back home, wondering how everybody was going to treat you. Were they going to look at you funny? Were they going to look at you cross eyed? Were they going to yell at you or what? And, and lo and behold, you came back and you found out that people were happy to see you, but most importantly, you found out that God still loved you. In fact, He never stopped loving you. And even before you could get those words out, like, Father, forgive me, he was already saying to you, I forgive your sins. I mean, ultimately, I guess I'm telling you, is that the wilderness never, ever has the last word. I mean, I've read to the end of the Bible, you know, God gets the last word. But what about the greatest wilderness? What is the greatest wilderness of all? It's called death. It's the greatest wilderness of all, death. The good news of our faith is that even the wilderness of death comes to pass. In Jesus, Paul said, death has been swallowed up in victory. The good news of our faith is that even out of the wilderness of suffering and death, and even out of the wilderness of death of the someone we love, there is a new beginning. Death is always swallowed up in victory through Jesus Christ. And again, it's just a reminder that the good news of our faith is that the wilderness never, ever has the last word. And to prove it to you from the Bible, when Jesus was on the cross, I would suggest to you that he was in the darkest wilderness of his life nailed to a cross to die as a criminal by that cruel Roman means of execution. And as he hung there, his life draining from him, he experienced the rejection and the anguish and the loneliness of the darkest wilderness imaginable. It was then that he cried out, he was actually quoting Psalm 22. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you know something, we know that wasn't the end. The final word had not yet been spoken. What I'm telling you tonight, friends, is this, that we who will walk the wilderness way with Jesus this next week, starting this Sunday from his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, where actually the parade stops for a while. We'll talk a little bit more about that Sunday, why Jesus stopped the parade. And then we're going to march to Monday, Thursday, and it's going to get a little bit darker. Because on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, isn't that the way communion begins? And even after that, as they walked singing hymns headed to the garden, it got darker and darker. And on Sunday or on Friday it got pitch black. But we know the light came back on on Easter Sunday. That's because death did not have the final word. Death could not keep the word made flesh in that grave. And like Paul spoke to us through 2 Corinthians 5, we who have died with Christ, we who died with the word, death doesn't have the last word. We too come back. We know that the wilderness will come to pass. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, life is difficult. There's no doubt about it. And sometimes we think that we're walking all by ourselves or at best with just only a few people. Even if we were walking with four or five hundred people or a thousand people, we need to remember That it's important to walk with you. Your word says that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You are always there. There is no reason ever to lose hope. For you are our hope. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. In our wilderness, Father, we're going to walk the wilderness way with you this next week but we know that death will never have the final word. For through your Father, you conquered death. We thank you for doing that, because it means now that as we face death, that we too shall be brought back to life through the power of the Word made flesh. It's in his name we pray. Amen.